When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Football is here! Isn't it glorious, Spartan Nation? A big slate of games tonight. Massive day on Saturday. And of course, Mel Tucker and Michigan State traveling to Northwestern for the season opener on Friday night. We will take a look at the matchup and also discuss the new head man in charge of Michigan State Athletics on episode 45 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. It is Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, here with Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel. Uh, great to be here, fellas. Football is in the air. And uh, Matt, I know football season means uh, more work for you late nights, but uh, you've got to be excited about the season a little bit, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's feels a lot different than last year. I think last year going into it, you were just waiting every week. Like, you know, you didn't believe the game. Was, you, you weren't confident the game was actually going to happen until they actually kicked off. So it is nice to see a little difference this year and feel like uh, it's kind of somewhat of a return to normal football. Now, if we can just get the game time moved to something that's not ridiculous and pisses me <laughs> off, that would be a lot easier for, for me. So I will be up till probably six in the morning. So while everybody else is sleeping soundly after going to bed at, at you know, what they consider late. I'm going to be a grumpy person and then driving back from Chicago on Saturday afternoon. Blame ESPN. They've got this doubleheader on Friday night. They have Virginia Tech in North Carolina starting at 630. So, uh, you know, they gave us the late game, I guess, there. So, uh, you know, it, it, usually it comes down to blaming the TV station. But I I agree. Last year didn't feel quite right. Like, obviously, none of us were the ones who just sort of completely checked out. Uh, but football needs fans. Football needs bands. Football needs pageantry and tradition. Uh, And we didn't have any of that last year. So that was, you know, it just, it didn't feel quite right. So uh, last night I was watching Jacksonville State and UAB getting way too excited uh, about college (laughs) football. But uh, Kyle, what's going on, man? You pumped for the season? I'm pumped. I'm I'm ready for the end of talking season. uh, We refer to it here. You know, you spend so much time figuring out everything and the new guys and the quarterback and everything. And it gets to the point where I'm just like, all right, let's see it. Let's let's play games. Let's let's have something to talk about that we can actually see in front of our eyes. So that's what I'm looking forward to. It's always talking season for us because we're a podcast. But next time we'll actually (laughs) be able to to talk about this team after having seen it. So uh, looking forward to that. I was going to say, don't put your talking voice away quite yet because you got a podcast to do here. But tonight we got Ohio State, Minnesota. We got uh, Boise State versus UCF, which I think is a really fun sort of crossover between 
uh, you know, group of five power teams. And of course, it all leads up to Michigan State Northwestern tomorrow night before a huge slate on Saturday. And there's also games on Sunday and Monday, too. So uh, if you want your college football fix, you're going to be able to get it over the next couple of days here. Uh, but welcome in. Thanks for listening. If you could please like, rate and review the podcast would be very much appreciated. Check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. Uh, hit us up on Twitter or via email if you uh, have any questions, comments, or concerns. Uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, I assume a lot of you will have lots of thoughts when we record on Monday uh, for um, uh, the, the reaction to Michigan State Northwestern. So if you want to get in that show, feel free to send us some notes. Uh, but let's get into it, guys. We've got a few segments to talk about here. We're going to preview the game. We also got a new AD at Michigan State, which is which is obviously big news. Um, but quickly off the top here, just a little bit of basketball news. Uh, Michigan State lost out on Isaac Trout. He was sort of the last of their big uh, big man targets that they had been going after for a while. He chooses Virginia over the Spartans, which is continuing a bit of a disappointing class for 2020. Two uh, for Tom Izzo, but we got news yesterday. A new offer went out uh, to Jackson Kohler. He's a four-star kid, uh, top 70 nationally from Utah, uh, 6'8", 250. Um, he's got offers from Iowa, Nebraska, USC, Oklahoma, uh, amongst others. So Michigan State kind of getting in uh, late to the game here. Um, but, you know, Kyle, I thought this was interesting um, because – uh, you know, we had thought maybe that the transfer portal might be a way that Tom Izzo would look, but uh, seems like they have a couple more big men here in the hierarchy that they don't mind sending an offer out to. Yeah, it, I'm trying to kind of figure out the strategy here in this new roster building world, because I, I was wondering if they would just kind of pack it in and, and focus on the portal for next year. But they do put out the new offer in um, September. Uh, you know, I haven't watched a lot about the kid, but I saw he did have a, a pretty good uh, showing recently at a pretty big level camp out there on the West coast, the Pangos camp dropped 53 points in a game. And um, I think they hope that they're, you know, he's a kid that's kind of a riser um, and they can get in on him. But I mean, anytime you're putting out offers this late in the game, I, I don't. I think it's pretty clear you're not working with Plan A anymore. So uh, we'll see if that shakes out. But yeah, I mean, they, I know there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, hand wringing or whatever you want to call it among fans right now about how this recruiting class is going. But it, you know, they're not giving up on it. You know, they've gotten good recruits late in the cycle before, and I, and I think the transfer portal is more of an option this year um, than, than than it has been in the past years. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's time to panic just yet. I don't either. Uh, I did think it was interesting. I mean, we'll see if Michigan State can sort of slide in late in the game here. Uh, just to give a brief idea of who this kid is, I mean, from Brandon Jenkins on 247 Sports, he says, Kohler's a very skilled and productive post prospect who has one of the highest floors in the class nationally. Says he has good hands, outstanding footwork, soft touch, and can score in a variety of ways in the low and high post or short corner areas. Also capable of stretching his range out to the arc at times. Finishes with both hands, has a consistent hook shot, and can face up from mid-range. There are some concerns defensively with his size for a position as Kohler is average athletically and does not have a natural position to defend. Uh, but his feel and motor should help him long term. So sounds like a you know a big man who could be you know raw, but Tom Izzo, you know we've seen him turn guys uh, like that into great pro prospects in the past. So obviously we're getting ahead of ourselves there, but uh, an interesting offer to say the least, and and shows that Michigan State isn't quite ready to give up on the twenty. 22 class but we've got plenty of time to talk about basketball guys football's on the horizon um so i want to get to this preview but of course big news this week michigan state 
filling their athletic position, athletic director position internally, promoting Alan Holler, who was the uh, the vice athletic director, long history at Michigan State, played there, um, is has been embedded in the community for a long time. A lot of players were rallying to support their support behind this guy, um, and uh, he ends up being the choice. Uh, unanimously voted in by the approved by the board of trustees this week. So Matt, what do you make of the hire? Uh, you know, for, <laughs> I mean, this is not a surprise. I would say um, I thought there was, and Kyle and I had talked about this before, but you know, we, we, with, with a new president in charge, you thought he might go outside, you know, get somebody who's an external candidate, but Alan Heller has, you know, a really interesting background with his credentials being a former being from Lansing, being a former football player, track and field athlete, having spent 13 years in the MSU PD, um, and then moving over to athletics. He has a lot of respect amongst uh, the people there, and, and that proved to be their choice. So I think it's a good hire. Um, it will, what it's going to really come down to is you need to make raise money. Uh, and that's the, you know, obviously a major part of the, uh, any athletic director, and especially, you know, with the situation he comes into, you know, with the tough financial um COVID related stuff and then the facilities they want to put in there. It's going to, it's going to take some money. So uh, we'll see, but uh, I think it's a good choice. I like Alan. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not surprising. I, I think he's got a couple attributes here that, that make it make a lot of sense. Um, you know, um, for one, I mean, obviously his, his history with Michigan state, um, he's got a lot of football background, played football, um, obviously played in the NFL, um, and he's been the sport administrator for them. So he's been, you know, deeply involved with them. He's actually the guy when they hired Mel Tucker, um, he's the one who went over to the team and introduced him. That wasn't Bill Beekman. That was Alan Haller. And, and he's really been the, the guy overseeing uh, the football program from an administrator standpoint. So I, I think that's important for them. That's something Sam Stanley, school president, brought up yesterday. I'm not sure the last couple athletic directors um, were at quite as football focused. I mean, football still, you know, your golden goose. You're going to give it a lot of attention. But, um, you know, Bill Beekman, you know, kind of more administrative. I think it's fair to say Mark Hollis was maybe a little more basketball focused than some ADs. Uh, Matt's chuckling a little bit, but he had a more of a basketball background. Let's say that was on the basketball committee. So you got, you got a real football guy there now, which I think, um, I think a lot of people are happy about. Um, and, and the other thing, and, and I've said this before on the podcast is to me, the most important thing an athletic director does is hire the, the football coach and the basketball coach. And, and I get that that's a very small part of your job. You might go, five years in Michigan state's case, you might go 12 years between doing that. But when it happens, that's, you know, the most critical thing you can do. Um, and I think the good news for Michigan state fans is Alan was on the search committee way back in 2006, when he was an MSU PD officer. Um, and by all accounts was pretty integral in hiring um, Mark D'Antonio and, and making that happen. And then, uh, when Mel Tucker was hired, you know, all the information we have is that Allen played a, a pretty significant role in that, too. Um, you know, I know he was reaching out to Nick Saban and other people he knew in football. Um, obviously, um, the athletic director, you know, Bill Beekman, didn't have as much experience in athletics. So I think Allen kind of stepped up and played a pretty key role in that search. So I, I think um, a guy that's been pretty involved in two Michigan State searches um, for, for football coaches. I think that's good experience you want to have for, for if that has to happen. I know nobody wants that to happen again soon. Um, but, you know, you might have a basketball transition here too in, in, in a handful of years. So um, I, I think those are two of the things that, that make this make a lot of sense. Um, and um, and I, I think a lot of people are happy with, with what ha how it went down. 
Yeah, I mean, I've mostly only seen positive reaction to this. I mean, he was the choice from a lot of people. I mean, we saw, you know, Sean Resper was in there like a day after the opening uh, hollering for this guy. We've seen a lot of former players getting in his corner. I mean, he's Michigan State through and through, right? I mean, he knows the culture. He knows the the community. He knows what the what what sort of things they value at Michigan State and how you can make things successful. Um, I mean, Michigan State did, you know, they had that search firm. Uh, did, did you guys get a sense from the trustees or talking in this week? I mean, how how much they actually considered other candidates or was Haller, Haller always sort of the leader in the clubhouse? The way it was kind of explained to us is that the national search, um, you know, kind of confirmed that Allen was the right guy. Um, I think they did give legitimate um, consideration to national, to other candidates. I know you know, several names were kind of thrown about in there. Um, so I, um, it, I, I think, I, th- I don't think this would have been a very legitimate process if they would have not done the national search. I think you need to see what's out there and make sure that Alan Willie is the best guy and there's not somebody who's going to blow your way who you, or who you weren't thinking about. Um, I, I, I do think, I mean, I'm sure there's some people out there who um, have a little trepidation about going with an internal candidate, you know, just being seeing how insular Michigan State has been um, at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something Alan will probably have to address and, and make sure that, you know, if change needs to be made at Michigan State, that he can do it and that he's, you know, um, and that he's a guy that can do that without being an outsider. So I do think that that's um, that is kind of a question about this whole process. But I, I don't think it's necessarily bad to have an internal candidate either, because, I mean, another most important thing is. Athletic director's got to have a good relationship with the football coach and the men's basketball coach. And um, he, Alan does. Um, a, a dynamic can be different once he's the boss, the head guy in charge. But by all accounts, he, he gets along well with Tommy Zoe. He gets along well with Mel Tucker. And you don't know that with an outsider. You might think it happens, but I think you have a much better idea of how those relationships are going to be if you hire an internal guy. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to ask for. Um, you know, if, if, if you're Tom Izzo or you're Mel Tucker, what do you want? You want a guy that, that you know that's in-house, that, that has been around, or you want somebody coming in from the outside? I think it's pretty obvious you want a guy from the inside. And I've seen Alan around the football team, obviously, like Kyle mentioned, being the sport administrator, but I've seen him at practice a couple of times. He was at the Meet the Spartans thing, ran into him on the way out. And so he's obviously there's comfort there. And, and I think it's clear that those, those two, Izzo and Tucker, would definitely want an internal candidate and, and the timing of this is was was notable too why this didn't happen in may i don't understand that, that I, if, you're, I completely agree. if you're gonna obviously bill everybody knew bill was a placeholder i mean and he knew it i mean that's what his contract that's why he had a, his contract that you know if they move on from him they that he gets a you know reassigned to a different vice president spot so uh why this didn't happen earlier when when if you really are looking for an external candidate that that is maybe somebody high profile you can they they would it would be a little easier to kick the tires uh, on that than than it is when you're about to start a football season. Um, but that being said, I still still think Allen's a good idea. Yeah, I, it it looks bad if you're an AD leaving a school like the week of your opener. So I I do wonder if that limited their pool a little bit. Um, but you know, one more thing I did want to kind of point out um, about this is. Um, you got Mel Tucker hired. You got Alan Haller hired. Uh, the Athletic, I think, put it out there yesterday that Michigan State is now one of six schools, six um, F- <laughs> FBS schools. Uh, yeah, We're on the same wave, wavelength, yeah. Kyle. I was um, about to bring that up. <laughs> uh, one of six, uh, and I believe one of three or four in um, 
in Power Five with a black. Yeah, I got it right here. It's, uh, yeah, it's Arizona it. State, Buffalo, Maryland, Michigan State, Northern Illinois, and Stanford. Yeah, Chris Vanini yep. from the Athletic. Put that out so there. that's with a, a black athletic director and a black football coach, which I, I think that matters for a number of reasons. Uh, I mean, one, I mean, providing opportunities for a group that's typically been marginalized in major college athletics historically. Um, but also, you know, you're building a program every year in football and men's basketball, uh, primarily of young black men. And I think if you can go out there and say, hey, we are a program and we're an institution that um, that has African-Americans in positions of power um, and, you know, has leadership from them. I think that's going to matter to a handful of families and a handful of people every year. And, and if you're one of these many kind of I think it's fair to say middle of the road kind of programs that are competing over recruits. Um, this is something that stands out. And I, and I think in, in this day and age, I think this sort of um, thing, representation, that sort of topic is, is a little bit of front of mind for a lot of people. So I'll, um, I, I think it's a good place for Michigan state to be. I don't think that's why this happened, but I think they, the fact that they ended up here can only be good. I, I agree 100%. I've been saying that about Mel Tucker for a while in terms of recruiting that just, I mean, like you said, I mean, recruiting a lot of young black men when, when you have a strong, uh, powerful individual that can, you know, provide guidance, that's going to mean a lot to families when he can mm -hmm. go in and, and talk to these families and, you know, they see a strong, you know, and it's just different than Mark, not to say Mark D'Antonio couldn't do that, but it's just different when you have someone like Mel Tucker compared to D'Antonio. Um, but the other thing is Michigan state has a history of, of, you know, being on the forefront with this mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, integrating college football and, uh, this is actually the second time they've had a black coach and a black AD, correct? Yes. Didn't it happen right. once uh, before? Clarence Underwood and Bobby Williams for like a year or two in like 2000, 2001, I believe. Over right. That. So it, it's good to see Michigan state on the, you know, leading the way in this sort of stuff for sure. Um, let's see anything else on the AD search. You guys want to get into the on-field stuff? No, no. gonna, going to sit down and talk to Alan later today. Um, so we'll get a sense for kind of, um, I think we'll talk a little future, his vision, you know, what his priorities are, what he sees as the issues for, for college athletics. So maybe we can get into that a little bit more next time. Um, uh, but for now, I think, uh, I think we got it pretty much covered. Cool. Let's get to the on-field stuff, guys. Football is here. Matt's going to be taking off for Chicago uh, shortly after we get done recording here. Um, so it's Michigan State Northwestern. It's a season opener. We've got a Big Ten game, one of many Big Ten games right off the jump here. Uh, quick look at the game. Northwestern, obviously coached by Pat Fitzgerald. It's his 16th season. He's done a fantastic job there. Uh, 106 and 81 is his overall record. Uh, obviously took them to the Big Ten championship game last year, beat Auburn. Uh, in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, so, you know, he's really done a great job in Northwestern turning them into an upper-tier Big Ten team. Uh, Michigan State leads the all-time series 39-20. to The last matchup was on November 28th of last year. That, of course, was Michigan State's upset of number 14, Northwestern. They won 29-20. Uh, in terms of this game, Northwestern is a, a three-point favorite at home. Got an over-under of 46 Game time just after 9 p.m. Uh, on Friday night. The game is on ESPN, uh, much to Matt's chagrin, the 9-15, 9-20 uh, kickoff. Um, but it's a big stage, great stage for Mel Tucker uh, here to start the season and start his first, um, you know, I know he won't accept that this is his first season, but this is his first real, real college football season at Michigan State. 
Outside of the uniforms they will be wearing, we really don't know a ton about Michigan State. Uh, there's no depth chart, no quarterback announcement. Uh, we know, obviously, who's going to start at some of these positions, but um, we can talk about Northwestern in a sec. But, Matt, your expectation is that we're not going to know who the quarterback is until somebody marches out there, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just going to be be just like last year. You're yeah. Wait to see who comes out. We're going to be standing there, sitting there in the press box with the binoculars, looking at who's snapping to Matt Allen to try and get a sense of you know who's first in that row of quarterbacks. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't blame Mel at all. There's no, I don't see an advantage at all to publicly naming a starter. You know, I mean, it does. Will it make that big of a difference? No, probably not. But Mel went into de- a little bit of detail on Tuesday about basically not wanting to give away any information. Doesn't see the point. Um, doesn't want to do anything that would take away from doing everything you can to help your team win. So I get it. Um, I think could be a little bit more open about some information. Uh, he won't even tell you who the starting long snapper will be. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to get a feel for this team in, in certain respects. There are things, you know, I mean, we get a pretty good idea who the starting offensive line is going to be. It's pretty clear. They think Kenneth, I mean, Kenneth Walker should be your starting running back. That, that much seems obvious. We know, you know, Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor are playmakers. We get, you know, we got a decent, you know, we know what the defensive line should look like for the most part, minus Jacob Slade's availability on Friday. But the back seven remains a little bit of a mystery, although you can you can take a few guesses here and there. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, it's uh, <laughs> I mean, ideally, this would be uh, you would like to take this for a test drive against Youngstown State to begin the season um, and, and not Northwestern on the road at night. But um, you know, as Mel says, the schedule is the schedule. So, uh, just uh, have to suck it up for your first big 10 road, uh, opener in, uh, since 82. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're looking at quarterback. I'm curious about running back touches, you know, who starts, whoever starts is one thing. Obviously I think we know it's probably going to be Kenneth Walker, but I'm just interested to see like how the, the running back touches shake out between those top four. Um, cause you know, it could go a lot of different ways and some of them might be a hot hand thing. And then on defense, I'm just looking at who plays the most at linebacker and corner. Does that mm-hmm. seem fair to you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we know, like I said, we know what the defensive line is basically, but at linebacker, Harvey's the returning starter. Now who's with them? I don't know. It's probably Crouch, I would guess. It's not him. You know, Crouch, Van Summer, and the your, your top transfer candidates, obviously there with Octavian Brown moving to, to defensive end. Um, Chase Klein's your top backup returner. Cal Halliday was working with Crouch during the Meet the Spartans scrimmage. Um, so, yeah, and Mel had said he thinks there's five guys that can play right there. Will they play five linebackers uh, on defense? I, I highly doubt that against Northwestern. And corner, Gervin being a returning starter, if he can keep that role with Ronald Williams coming in from Alabama and Chester Kimbrough from Florida being your top transfers there. And, and we, we get a pretty good idea at safety. It was Henderson's returning starter. Um, Angelo Gross moved free safety and Michael Dow's your leader at nickel. So, um, yeah, it'll Those be pretty, yeah. Seem pretty, pretty solidly set in there. I feel, I mean, at least I'm assuming that, but maybe we shouldn't assume anything with Mel. <laughs> uh, I don't understand why he's not willing to give out more information. I mean, the guy spent years in the NFL where they're like required to do this stuff. Um, so maybe that's just like, he was like, I'm sick of being told what to do when it comes to my roster and information. So he's like, He's not required to anymore. That's why he's not doing it. Right. That's what I'm like. Maybe he was required so long. Now he's like, ha, I'm not doing it now. (laughs) I 
I, I, I think, I don't know, uh, of the stuff that matters, I think the secrecy matters 1% and the execution matters 99%. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it's not going to help at all, but like, there's a reason the other 13 Big Ten teams reveal their quarterbacks. Like, it, it's not that big. It's not that big yeah. of, a, of, of an advantage. And, and I mean, Matt, you asked Pat Fitzgerald about it earlier this week, and he essentially shrugged, right? Yeah, I mean, he said basically, look, there's been years where I haven't named them, and the fans were probably pissed at me because, you know, they had to wait till the first series to find out. He's like, and there's pretty much – he thinks that, you know, he did it back on August 17th this year in somewhat of a surprise move, both in who he picked and the timing – and he said, then there's probably people that are mad at me for that. So I don't know. He, you know, he didn't, he didn't make a big deal of it. I mean, let's, what's it matter? I mean, like really, I mean, they know who the top two guys are. You don't have a problem finding film on Peyton Thorne and you know who the other guy is and he has 26 career starts. So there you go. I mean, now the sheer number of transfers you have to plan for that, you know, Pat on Tuesday or Monday, so, you know, that makes it a little tricky, you know, digging up the film and trying to figure out where guys are. But specifically at quarterback, they know they know who the guys are. They, it, they'll be fine to go. I, I guess my main thing is like I I mean, it's the opener. I, I think there's going to be a little bit more of this. But I think long term, I do think you have to find somewhat of a balance of, you know, between competitive, you know, competitive advantage for secrecy and giving something to the fans because there's a lot of people out there that care a lot about this program and follow it. Um, and I think you got to give them something um, or some of them are just going to start to tune out. Um, and and I, I can understand the starting quarterback thing, but like there was another question on Tuesday that was like, Hey, um, I think it was Jack. I bling asked, Hey, uh, any freshman looked really good. Might get on the field. Um, I, I think you can give a name or two there. Um, I yeah. think that gets people. Yeah. I don't think that gives you takes a whole lot away from your competitive advantage, and I think you get some people interested and excited about a couple guys. Um, I, I think you can you can make some exceptions here or there to to kind of find a balance. Because if um, Brandon, I know you watched it, and, and anybody who does, I mean it it's going to be a slog going through a year when when absolutely zero information is given out. I think you got to try to find <laughs> find some happy medium there. I agree. So let's let's talk about Northwestern a little bit. I don't know, Matt or Kyle, how much you've looked at them, but I've sort of been doing some research on them. Matt, you mentioned the quarterback announcement. I think that was the most notable thing out of Northwestern's camp, uh, that Hunter Johnson, the Clemson quarterback, gets the starting gig over uh, Ryan Holinsky, who was a South Carolina transfer. I mean, we've seen the Hunter Johnson show before. He started a bunch of games in uh, 2019, only won one against UTEP, struggled against pretty much everyone in the Big Ten, including Michigan State, uh, threw for 432 yards, four interceptions, and a touchdown. Um, this, so the fact that he was named the starter so early on in camp, I think, caught a lot of people off guard. Um, but, you know, obviously Michigan State knows who they're prepping for. Uh, also, Northwestern lost their, their starting running back, Cam Porter, for the season. So that was a big blow, but uh, what else have you noticed in looking at Northwestern? Well, uh, you know, the, the turnover, I mean, when Pat last in July said he thought it was a big advantage for, for uh, uh, Michigan state having all these newcomers and said, we didn't change a lick. Well, <laughs> maybe philosophically you didn't change a lick, but I mean, there's a lot of ESPN in, in their way they ranked uh, um, returning production as Northwestern last in the entire country for returning production. So yeah, there's a lot of changes. Um, I, you know, this wasn't, 
they were not a, a great offensive team, obviously, last year. And I don't think you typically expect that out of Northwestern for the most part. Um, you know, they went through a couple of years, including 19 when uh, when uh, Hunter Johnson started with real struggles on offense. But so you're gonna, they're going to try and, you know, win with defense. And they do have a new defensive coordinator, Jim O'Neill. Um, they just do enough offensively. And really, I, yeah, I mean, with with a new quarterback who, who doesn't have a, a great track record as a starter, and you lose your top running back and you get all this turnover. I don't know. Uh, I, again, it's a three point spread. So this wasn't, wouldn't be, wouldn't really even be considered an upset, I guess, barely. Um, but this is certainly a winnable game for Michigan state. When you look at their schedule, what, what, when you, what do you look at Youngstown state as the game that you're like, okay, you could put a W next to that. Um, you look at Ohio state and probably Indiana and Penn state and you, Miami probably put L's next to that. Everything else is really a toss up. And this is one of those mm-hmm. games. And, and if they're going to be a bowl team, if they're going to have a 500 record or, or even better, uh, you know, you got to win the winnable games. This is one of them. Absolutely. A swing game here. Uh, Evan Hull, who's a sophomore, and Andrew Clare, who's a grad transfer from Bowling Green, likely to take over for Cam Porter. But like you said, Matt, Northwestern lost its top four wide receivers from last season. Uh, they've got a transfer from Kansas, who I've been hearing a lot of buzz on. Uh, I think Stefan Robinson, is that his name? Um, so, um, you know, and then defense, you mentioned the, do, the new uh, D coordinator. I think it stacks up pretty good for the Spartans. I mean, they, they've got some strength at D end. Um, so I think our Horst and our Curie will be tested early on, on the edges, trying to keep that quarterback upright. And then Brandon Joseph was an all American as a freshman last year at safety. So mm-hmm. you got a ball Hawk back there. Um, so it's not to say Northwestern doesn't have some players, but yeah, very winnable game here. I think on the road, um, we know how it goes in Chicago. Spartan fans show up big time. Uh, when they play over there at Ryan Field, you often see more green than purple <laughs> in the stands, which is often the case with North Northwestern fans, which, by the way, Northwestern fans, great, great fans, man. I love mixing with them over in Chicago. I don't know if it's just that they don't really care that much or if they're just nice people who like to welcome the visiting fans in. But uh, uh, always enjoy tailgating with them. I always end up with the purple solo cup somehow, which I'm OK with. You know, I'm like, OK. You guys are nice. You hook it up with a purple cup. You know, it's fine. This is fun. Uh, but, um, you know, how do you, 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 you see Michigan state winning this game? I do. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see them winning it comfortably. I don't see them jumping out to, uh, what was it? 17, nothing lead last year. when we were sitting around in the press box, like what the hell just happened? Like, this, how, how is this happening? And then they had to hold on. I just, I think that with, the full off season, I'm probably repeating myself from a hundred times or previously saying this, but with, with having the full off season with this, you know, that you didn't have last year under a new staff with what they say is a talent upgrade on the roster through the portal. Um, I think this will be a better, you know, I think this will be a decent team coming out of the gate. I think people are maybe underestimating them a little. I don't think they're going to compete for a big 10 East division title or anything like that, but you know, everybody, you know, all the people picking them last in the East and I, somebody had them like among the worst top the t- 10 worst FBS programs or, or top power five programs, whatever it is. I just, I don't see that. So um, yeah, I, I think they win. What the hell did I pick as a score? 24 to or 23 to 20. I can't remember. I'll find it in a second. <laughs> I've got it at 24, 17 Michigan state. So I've got them winning and covering uh, 24 uh, to 20. 24-20 okay. is what I had. Sorry. What about you, Kyle? 
Uh, I guess I'll take the other uh, the other side of it. Uh, I've actually picked this game both ways in the two places I pick on M Live, so um, a little bit a little bit undecided. But, you can't um, be wrong. <laughs> no, I can't be wrong, man. I'm hedging. I'm hedging. Um, but I, I guess I guess I guess where I come down to is these are two teams that are both having a lot of turnover, both trying to um, fit a lot of new guys in for an opener. Um, and if that's the case, I guess I'm going with a more proven coaching staff um, and um, going to sit and playing at home. Um, so kind of the intangibles giving to giving it to Northwestern um, in a close game uh, certainly wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, openers are so hard to predict. So we wouldn't be surprised at all um, by Matt's. But I, I guess I'm going with um, with the more kind of proven, consistent program over the years, um, even though they, they are losing a lot. All right. Well, let's look at the schedule as a whole before we get out of here. Uh, I mean, we sort of touched on it just to sort of season prediction here. Uh, I agree that a lot of the national guys are sort of aren't paying attention to the, the to the talent level, the talent that's gone out and the talent that's come in. I don't think they realize that the talent level has increased in Michigan State. If they finish last in the Big Ten, uh, I will be shocked. Um, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to get out of line here, but I I'll just look at it. I mean, I do think a lot hinges on that first game. It's very much a swing game, but I just gave them the win. I'm going to, I think five and one start is, is very possible. And that's mostly because of the schedule. I mean, you got Youngstown state, give them a win. I'll give them the loss at Miami. I'll say they'll beat Nebraska, beat Western Kentucky, beat Rutgers. So they're five and one. I'll give them a loss versus Indiana. I'll say they'll beat Michigan at home, but then stumble. This then stumble after the law after beating Michigan. I think they go to West Lafayette and lose a very disappointing game to Purdue, uh, beat Maryland, and then lose to Ohio State, lose to Penn State. And I'll say they get a loss in the bowl game and finish seven and six. What about yeah, you? I, 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 you know, I've gone back and forth on this and I did the predictions the other day. So I got them beating Northwestern, beating Youngstown State, losing to Miami, beating, uh, oh, hold on, I'm going to get out of whack here. Beating Nebraska, beating Western Kentucky, and I gave him a loss against Rutgers. I just went through, and I think I flipped that one. I originally had him winning, and then picked a loss just because. So I think somehow I was going to end up with an eight-win season, and I needed to yeah. check myself. That's why me. I went with the Purdue <laughs> loss because I was like, they're not going to win eight nuts. games. Yeah. yeah, there was no, I. I don't know what where I was going there, but uh, and then I got him losing to Indiana. I picked them to beat Michigan just because I think I picked Michigan to beat them every year. It seems like I don't know why. Um, loss at or win at Purdue win against Maryland uh, and then losses against Ohio state and Penn state. But again, it's just, it's a ton of toss up games. So, um, or at least they appear to be. So now we'll, we'll see what they look like when they actually get played. So seven and five in the regular season is what I had. And I think that's leaning towards the high end of what their potential is. Kyle. Okay. I'm looking, I'm looking here. Um, Wins I have uh, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, Nebraska, Purdue, and Rutgers, um, and the rest is losses. So that's five and seven. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm looking closely at the same games you guys are talking about going back and forth. Like I, I predicted Rutgers is a one point game and ended up going close um, with them winning there. Um, I've got them losing to Maryland, uh, which I could see completely going either way. I mean, picking games in November at this point of the year is. Um, difficult. We do it for fun, but um, it's difficult. But you know, um, your your Purdue, your Maryland, your um, your Rutgers, your Nebraska. I mean, those are to me those are the games that uh, this season's going to turn on. And I was really close picking all those. It seems like they 
they seem to be able to rise up. I mean, I, I don't want to do something silly, but they always seem to rise up and beat somebody good. I thought about picking them over Indiana or, or somebody, somebody higher level like that. But, um, you know, I've gotten at five and seven, losing a couple more of those. But that, it, it, to me, it's like those four games, whether they sneak into a bowl team seven and five or, or lose a couple more and are more like five and seven. That's kind of the range I see for this team right now. It really is a, a, a pretty manageable schedule, though. I mean, if you compare it to how the schedule could be in the past, I mean, when you look at the West, you miss Wisconsin, you miss Iowa, you miss Minnesota. Um, you know, you get Purdue and Nebraska, who are two of the worst teams on that side. Um, so, you know, and you, you it starts easy. So you kind of get to lean into the season. Like we said, I think five and one is a very realistic possibility with really just that road game at Miami. I mean, obviously you got to show up for everything. I mean, they could easily lose to Northwestern. They could easily lose to Nebraska. They've lost Nebraska lately when they shouldn't. So it could go differently than we think, but I do think the schedule sets up for them to kind of settle in, figure out their quarterback, um, and then, you know, set up for what is a pretty loaded back half of the schedule, uh, particularly when you're looking at Ohio State and Penn State back to back to end the season. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting, but I, I think uh, I, I think we all agree that they're not going to be quite as bad as the national people seem to think. Are we agreed on that? If if certain things don't happen, yeah, I mean, but if if things go the wrong way, if this if this doesn't all this new talent coming in and doesn't mesh, and you can't get those wins early in the season, those toss up games, then you're gonna it's gonna get hairy down the stretch. I mean, again, there's I mean, if you if you can't win the games that that you have in the first half, you know, well, Western Kentucky could you know that could be a game that you could get tripped up in. They brought in a bunch of transfers too. So it's got to work. Um, you have to have a better offense. Uh, I mean, it's hard to get worse, um, you know, <laughs> offensively and particularly with the run game, you have to have that better. You have to have, they're going to really need to have health in the offensive line, particularly at the tackle spots. Cause if that doesn't work out, you're going to, it's going to be a problem obviously. And then um, defensively again, repeat myself a thousand times, but the, the back seven, how that, how's that going to work? So like, to, to me, I, I think this is the right strategy to pursue for Mel Tucker as far as a lot of turnover, heavily leaning on the transfer portal. But it's also kind of high risk, high reward for me, too, because you, you are raising the talent level quicker than you would if you were just going slower, going more traditional high school route. Um, but, you know, some of these teams with a lot of transfers don't just don't mesh. And, you know, some transfers don't work out the way you think they're going to. Um, so I. Um, I, I think they do have the potential, like you said, to surprise some people, but, um, I, I don't just look at, the, oh, the talent level's better. They're definitely going to be better. I think it's trickier than that. And I think that's where Mel Tucker's got to earn his money, um, is getting these guys to play well together, getting guys in the right spots, getting that cohesion. Um, you know, that's, you know, we've talked about this before that that's, that's going to be the key to making this season really successful, given all the turnover they had. Well, we don't have to wait too much longer, guys. Finally, we can we can get some on-the-field product here. Just one more night to wait. Uh, Matt, travel safe down to Chicago. Have a good time at the game. Uh, and uh, I guess take a nap on Saturday. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not the best I'm, time for a nap. First college football Saturday, am, you know. I am not a nap person. So this, <laughs> that makes the uh, 9.15 p.m. kickoff even, even worse. So, uh, yeah, but at least it's not Arizona State. Because I didn't even <laughs> sleep true. that. I didn't even get to bed that night. I had an early flight, so I was nodding in and out with into my face in the laptop on 
or three hours, three and a half hours, whatever that flight is from Phoenix home. <laughs> yeah, that was like a 11, 1130 kick or whatever on the East Coast. It was absurd, but uh, no Arizona State this year. Thank God, because those games were miserable. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Uh, we are very much looking forward to the season. Again, please rate and review the podcast if you can. Check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. And hit us up with your reactions, comments, predictions, uh, whatever you want, really. Uh, we'd love to hear it, and we will discuss it on a future episode. So we'll be back Monday to recap the game. Uh, looking forward to that, and hopefully we get a Michigan State win. Uh, but for Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and go Green!